I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 157 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Brandon Douglas sitting in once more for Tyler Uremchuk as he is away this week. Joined as always by Cam Lewis. Coomsey, third straight series win for the Toronto Blue Jays. Third straight series win after they lose the opening game of the series. Um, just kind of speaks to the resiliency of this team. And I think here we are on a, on a Friday morning headed in, into the Canada Day long weekend. The mood is overall pretty good because there wasn't a lot of um, negative things to, to draw from this series against their West Coast opponents in San Francisco. Um, what, uh, what's going on with you? I know you said um, you were at the Blink-182 concert last night. So uh, was that a good time? Yeah, I had a handful of beverages, and uh, like most of the people there who were fans of this group in the early to mid-2000s, late 90s, uh, we're, we're a little bit up there in age now. So when you have a few of those beverages in a situation like that, you wake up the next morning and you're not necessarily at 100%. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, once we get into the afternoon here on Friday, leading into the um, the kickoff of the Jays' next series, you can just probably you know get after it again, the hair of the dog a little <laughs> bit, try and take the edge off. But uh, I think we can jump pretty much right into our, our three-ups portion of the show today, since it was an overwhelmingly positive series win against a really good San Francisco Giants team. We talked about it earlier this week that since the uh, start of May, they have been the best team in the major league. And, and the Jays kind of uh, went about beating them in a few different ways, starting off with our first up, which was the fact that that bullpen day went about as well as you could ever dream of a bullpen start going, getting contributions from uh, several different guys to get it done. But two in particular, I think, with uh, Trevor Richards getting the start and then Bowden Francis following him in, putting in a, an absolute shift work of a day out there on the on the mound. Yeah, the timing on that one was really funny, too, because we'll, we'll touch about this in our downs. We'll probably spend a decent amount of time talking about this. Alec Manoa had his difficult start down in the, the Florida Complex League, and then Ross Atkins spoke to the media after, and one of the things he said was that the Jays could handle doing another couple of turns around the rotation or so with the, with the four-man starting rotation and the bullpen day being the fifth day, but it's not something they want to do long-term. And then I wrote about that quote on the web website and what i said myself was i mean the the bullpen day is fine as like a fill-in every once in a while teams are going to have to do it but the unfortunate thing for the jays is that you're using those relievers 
in a game. And as, as a result, you can't use them the next day or the day before that. So they've had some games previously where, you know, maybe you lose your bullpen day and then you lose the game after that because you didn't have your best relievers. You know, Trevor Richards is having a fantastic season and he's a good late inning arm for the Blue Jays that they can't use in those situations because he's pitching in the bullpen day. But that bullpen day earlier this week was so good that you just cannot complain about what it does to your bullpen otherwise, because Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis combined pretty much to give you a Kevin Gosman start. He went the, the Richards and Francis together go seven innings. They allow five hits, one walk, just one earned run striking out seven. And then since the Jays had a big first inning and they were winning by a decent amount, they could get through the rest of the game with Trent Thornton and Jimmy Garcia. So they didn't have to use any of their good relievers or their main back end relievers for the rest of the game. But again, this isn't, something you want to keep doing all season they want to find somebody to fill in that role as the fifth starter but you can't complain at all about the job that Richards and Francis have done it's um it's 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 I wouldn't call it season saving that's a bit much but it's been a game changer they the they they don't have a fifth guy and those two stepped up to basically merge into one pitcher and become that guy they so badly needed even better than like a fifth starter the two of them together have been like a number two or a number three yeah, they they were terrific. Um, and in that same second game, like if you had drawn out a um a roadmap to how this series would go for the Blue Jays in terms of some wins and losses, I think the fact that that was a bullpen start, even with the faith in those guys' arms, the fact they were going up against Logan Webb um on the San Francisco side, their ace, it's kind of like, well, you know what, that probably might be the one loss if the Jays are going to take one in this series. It ended up not being the case, and we'll we'll get to the disappointing first game in a few minutes here, but the the Jays really got after Webb early. I mean, they got completely shut out in game number one, but then the sticks kind of came alive, and it wasn't for the entirety of the game, but that first inning, they they did enough damage to pretty much coast themselves to a victory. Yeah, the Jays got what felt like a week or a month's worth of good luck with runners in scoring position. I, I saw a stat on Twitter and I wish I had saved it because I can't remember who posted it and I didn't write it down to the notes, but I think they, they had four hits in that first inning. They scored five runs in the first inning. They had four hits with runners in scoring position. And that's as much as they had had in the previous two weeks combined. So, I mean, like we, we, we know all about the, the difficulties with risk this season and to have an inning where George Springer doubles and then Bo drives him in with a single and then Brandon Belt scores the second run with a double and then two outs, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Matt Chapman both get out. So there's two outs in the inning and then they have this rally where Dal- Dalton Varsho hits a double to score Belt and then Whit Merrifield hits another double to hit Varsho and then Danny Jansen comes up to score Merrifield. So four hits with runners in scoring position in one inning, which is like, if I told you before the series, the Jays were going to get four hits against San Francisco with runners in scoring position over those three games all told, you'd probably be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that that second game kind of a little bit of a bummer in terms of the fact it was taking place at the like same start time as the NHL, the first round of the NHL entry draft. Um, and so it's like me personally, I had the the draft up on the big screen here in the basement and then just was watching the, the Jays game on my laptop with the sound off. But it was kind of like after that first inning, you were almost like, oh, well, you know what? I can kind of live having this on the background because it seems like the Jays are absolutely rolling today. They didn't keep up that pace. So obviously I pretty un, unrealistic to think they could, but it is nice to see them getting, getting some, some bats going, like you said, with their struggles with running and scoring position, particularly with two outs already on the board. So um, nice to see the offense come alive there combining with the, the great start by Richards and, and then the follow-up by Francis Thornton and Garcia to finish off that game. Number two uh, heading into our second up of the series, 
Chris Bassett in game number three, we talked about it last episode saying, you know what, there might be a few question marks starting to circle around this guy. But the hound dog came to play here on uh, on Thursday afternoon. He was he was lights out. Uh, six innings pitched, three hits, three walks, and a career-high 12 strikeouts, which that might be the most surprising stat that we see here because, you know, he's not a, a high strikeout rate guy. He's, he's a pitch to contact and let his fielders do some work for him. So that's terrific to see. Like He was feeling himself out there. Yeah, that was um it's really not something you expect. Like we we had those 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 starts earlier from Bassett, the one against the Mets in New York against the former team. And then he had the complete game shutout earlier. He had the really game really good start against Houston. Like he's had some fantastic starts this season. But like you said, all of those are pretty much, you know, Mark Burley style starts where he's getting through ground balls, pop-ups, stuff like that, relying on the defense a little bit. But this one was he didn't go like it wasn't a complete game like we've seen from him in the past, but this might have been honestly is for me the most dominant or the most impressive performance pitching wise we've seen from Bassett this season because the 12 strikeouts he had San Francisco's batters looking completely lost and completely off balance. I can't like, like I said, there's been a lot of instances this year where we've seen Chris Bassett put together a good start, but not one where he's just completely dominant like this. And it's interesting when you look at the splits that he's had, we mentioned this on the last podcast, he does not pitch well when he's pitching to Danny Jansen, but Alejandro Kirk was activated off the 10 day injured list and Bassett goes back to putting together a fantastic start. Like his, his three starts before that, all of them were with Kirk not catching his previous three starts. He goes 11 and two thirds innings combined and posts a one 11.57 ERA. And then, so now with that, with that start against San Francisco with Kirk catching, he has a 1.60 ERA pitching Taliandro Kirk, as opposed to the other two with uh, Tyler Heineman and um, Jansen. The ERA is all the way up around nine. It's, it's, it's one of the weirdest splits I've ever seen because I don't think Danny Jansen's a bad game caller. I don't think he's a bad defensive catcher by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's just one of those weird anomalies where someone's just, you know, a little bit more comfortable pitching with somebody else. And in baseball, that small razor thin margin for error is what makes all of the difference. And not, I mean, you can maybe debate about if it um, was more like Bassett's rebound due to the fact that now he is not calling his own pitches. Like we talked about last episode, was it because the fact that Kirk was back behind the plate? I would guess it's probably some sort of amalgamation of the two contributing to this nice bounce back for him. Uh, but on the topic of Kirk, too, he had a he had a nice game behind the plate overall. Of course, the result uh, of the game and Bassett's stat line, you know, you can kind of reflect that back onto a catcher a bit as well. But that throw out on the steal that uh, ended up banging up Espinal's wrist in the process, but like that was a huge moment in the game that without that, all of a sudden, we could be having a very different discussion here on Friday morning um, as they, they were kind of rallying there at the end of the game to try and try and come back and, and force extras. So uh, a great game by Kirk. Awesome to see him back in the lineup and, and hopefully he can get the bat kind of going back again in short order because it did kind of seem like he was starting to find his groove a bit before going down with that that wrist injury so excellent to see uh kirk back in the lineup and playing well leading into the third up which is a guy who is playing as well as anybody in the jays lineup right now and that is vladimir guerrero jr homers again third time in six games and this one was about as clutch as it comes yeah, Vladdy's really um, st- 
stepped up for the Jays over the course of these last couple of series here. Um, this is from the Bassett game, and it's 0-0 in the sixth inning, and Vladdy comes up and hits a two-run bomb. And it really didn't look like the Jays were going to score a run in this game. It was very similar to the – and we'll touch on this in our next point when we get to the downs – is um, they gave Kevin Gosman zero runs of support, and it really looked like they were on their way to doing that again. And it was going to be, wow, outside of that – first inning against Logan Webb where, I don't know, they got a little bit of Babbitt luck. He hadn't settled in fully. It looked like that was going to be their only, you know, good inning of the entire series. And then Vladdy launches that home run. It's the third one that he's hit. He went the entire season without hitting a home run in the newly renovated Rogers Center. And then he hits two against Oakland in back-to-back games. And then he hits that go-ahead one against San Francisco. And now over the course of those six games, those two series against the the Athletics and the Giants, his OPS is 1.349. There had been a lot of talk that Vladdy's peripheral numbers were good. He was hitting the ball hard and he was getting some bad luck. He was hitting the ball right at guys. Ball was going into the ground. Kind of the same conversations we had in 2019 and 2020 with the launch angle. The peripherals are good. And people were saying this guy is poised to break out. He's, he's, he's going to have a good stretch here. It's not going to be bad luck for the entire year. It's going to happen. And here it is. And, and we've talked about this many, many, many times. The Blue Jays lineup doesn't have the same depth that it did in the past. If the Jays are going to have an above average, good, very good elite offense, any of those things, the number one catalyst is going to have to be Vladdy in the middle of the lineup. If he's very good, the Jays will also be very good. And this seems like a good time as any to mention the fact that uh, he must have been listening to Tyler's advice from a couple episodes ago. And he did confirm that he will be re-entering the, the home run derby for the first time since 2019. I think it was right, yeah. um, when he just when he went bananas and that was one of probably the best all-star home run derbies in, yeah. in recent memory, the Easily. fact that Vladdy's going to be back, back in there on it. Um, I, I don't think there's as much concern now, like Tyler had said in that, uh, that clip of a few episodes ago about saying like his swings broken. So now he's just going to go out there and swing for fun and, and try and get some loft in the balls. It looks like he's kind of got some of that corrected, but just the fact of having some fun in an event like the home run derby um, and, and getting that, that levity, he loves the, the the fanfare the attention that comes with being at the plate and the entire stadium behind him so i think even if if it's not going to be with the the state of mind like he has been before this last couple series of not being able to get any any distance on his ball and get the ball in the air i still think it's great for him and that he'll he should be able to have a great time in the process unfortunately both him bo matt chapman whit merrifield and kevin kumar none of them end up winning the the final round of voting for the all-star game, which I'm a little skeptical of this because they four of those, or at least three of those guys heading into this like new round where it resets the clock to zero. We're all leading their respective positions. And you know, the, a lot of the rest of the league and other fans you see it across Twitter kind of complaining because of the fact you have an entire country voting for one team's worth of players, uh, as opposed to these more regional splits. Like you see a, the, across the entire United States for the remaining 31 teams. So I'm a little, little curious to see the official breakdown of how these numbers shake out because I'm very surprised that not a single one of those guys ended up in first place when it comes to starter voting. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, like there's, there's ones where you're like, okay, yeah, Whit, Whit Merrifield's not going to beat out Marcus Semien. Sure, fair enough. But I don't know. Like maybe I, I do feel like Bo Bichette should be starting in the all-star game. Corey Seager is a fantastic shortstop. He's had a great year for the Texas Rangers, but he also hasn't played as much as Bo. Bo's been there every single day. Um, so I, I disagree with that one. I think Yandy Diaz has had the better season than Vladdy at first base. That's fair. I think Matt Chapman should be there. I think Bo should be there. 
Kiermaier in the outfield, that's a little bit harder as well. I, I, I don't love the thing that they do. I, it makes sense that they have like the two squaring off when you chop everybody else off from the voting, but I don't feel like it should reset. Like, I, I feel like if you already got all those votes, then just cut everybody else out and continue on from the votes that you have, right? Like it, 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 it doesn't really feel fair that those votes just disappear, but it does make sense that, um, People, people in the U.S. kind of um, stood up against Canadian fans trying to vote every single Blue Jay into the All-Star game because now you have it. If you're from the States, you're just going to vote against all of the Blue Jays. It's it's unfortunate, but I mean, at the end of the day, the All-Star game is just kind of a, it's a bit of a shrug, like whatever. The Jays will have a pl- plenty of players in the All-Star game, but eh, not the end of the world. But I, I, I do really think Bo got shafted here. I think he's he's the one where I'd feel... Like I, I'd, I'd feel like, wow, this, it, this was bad. Like he should have, he should be there as the starter. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. That was kind of the one name that really stuck out, uh, stood out as the fact of this season he's had, combined with you know the support that he was showing before this reset. So mm-hmm. uh, a little bit disappointing, but I'm sure it, uh, none of the players themselves will take it too much to heart. They'll still enjoy their All Star weekends, whether they are in Seattle or just enjoying the the time off and getting to nurse a few nagging injuries or whatever the case. But uh, heading into the three downs portion of the show, you'd alluded to this a little bit earlier, but that first game, like I said off the top, third straight series where the Jays lose game number one, uh, they're shut out once again, just like they were against the Marlins in that absolute thwacking they took uh, last week. But Kevin Gosman had another terrific start, and I was listening to this game. I went to the driving range on what a Tuesday afternoon and kind of just had it listening to the radio broadcast as I was hitting some balls. And I kind of thought, man, this is the perfect game just to listen to because not a ton of offense, just listen to a couple in the pitchers. It, weirdly enough, the Jays get shut out by a platoon type start for the Giants, much like the the Giants kind of had struggles against the uh, the Yankees bull or this part of the Yankees, the Blue Jays bullpen day on Wednesday. So kind of a weird flip flopping series in that regard. But yeah, it is, it is just a shame the fact that they did waste a, a great Gosman start once again and, and not give him any run support. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate one, especially because it's Kevin Gosman going up against his former team too, right? Like you, you, he'd obviously <laughs> he wants to win every single one of his starts. There's no doubt about that. But you're going up against you know another another the, the place where you used to play, like uh, the guys you used to play with. You you want to win the game, and he he pitched more than well enough to win the game. Goes six innings, only three hits, one walk, one earned run, twelve strikeouts. So another fantastic start from Gosman. His ERA for the season is now down to three oh one. But allowing that earned run, it was the, the Jays couldn't compensate. He winds up taking the loss, and now he's seven and four on the season. The Jays have given Kevin Gosman the third fewest amount of run support among all all qualified starting pitchers in Major League Baseball this year. I think it's Miles Mikolas from the St. Louis Cardinals and Zach Greinke who are the only two who are getting less run support, and those are two terrible teams. Cardinals and the Royals. So, I mean, it's, it's confounding. It's, it's weird, but I mean, usually Gosman's good enough for the Jays to, even if they only score a couple of runs, get them the win, but you're never going to win a game when you score zero runs. So certainly not ideal, but uh, after that one, when they lost the first one with Gosman going against sort of the bullpen ish day for San Francisco, it looked bad. Like you're, you're going the next day with, with San Francisco's ace on the mound. And then the Jays are countering with their bullpen day and they completely shut the giants down really weird stuff. But it also kind of goes to show that uh, going up against pitchers that you're not familiar with pitchers that give a different look 
pitchers that you probably don't necessarily have as much information on. I think that's a big challenge. It's an interesting thing that the Giants are a really interesting team because they don't have that traditional five guy rotation. They seem like they only really have like two or three actual starters and then everyone else is a once or maybe twice through the order like bullpen arm. It's 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 very interesting, but yeah, that's that. The Jays, the Jays always seem to have trouble in games like this, especially when Gosman's starting. It's nothing new. It kind of just is what it is at this point. Yeah, when you if you were to list off, um, you know, top starters and their respective teams going, Gosman and the Jays aligned with uh, Mikolas and the Cardinals and Grinky and the Royals. You know, one of those things is certainly not like the other. And and given that stat of how few runs uh, in support that Gosman has got. The fact he still has compiled a seven and four record to this point just speaks to how good he has been this year. So um, kind of before we get to the Manoa thing to round out our three downs and we'll dive into that pretty extensively, kind of a a half down here in the middle. I'm just going to say this between the lack of runs scored for the most part across the board by the Jays, kind of a low scoring series overall. This entire series was pretty bland to me. You know, this was two really hot teams overall. The Jays, I believe, were considered, you know, one of, if not the hottest team in the American League over the last X period of time. And then we've said it several times already, the Giants being the best team since May 1. Um, but overall, like this, the series has kind of lacked juice for me. And maybe it was just a matter of, you know, we are kind of just about getting into that dog days of summer stretch. We're across the half- halfway point of the season, officially heading into Canada Day weekend here. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe it was because I just listened to that first game on the radio and that does take a little bit of the the jam out of it. But what did you get any sort of similar feelings watching this series, Cam, that it just kind of like I, I hate to use the word boring because it is still sports and people love to rag on baseball for stuff like that. I, I still love the game, but, you know, I, I kind of almost want to lean towards saying this was a boring series. It's certainly different than what Jays fans are used to. Like, think about the teams we've seen in the past, you know, the past decade, even when they were bad, like in 2010, Jose Bautista hits 54 home runs. And then, you know, think about 2015 when they, um, when they, when they break their streak and make the playoffs, win the division for the first time since 93. The Jays were one of the best offenses, one of the best lineups you'll ever see on a baseball team. And then last year too, in 2021, they were, very strong offense, like an elite hitting team. And now they've pivoted and become a, they're a very different team now than they used to be. They're, they're, they're much like the 2016 team. Um, they, they, they also reached the American League Championship Series, but that year never felt as good as the 2015 year did, even though it wound up with virtually the exact same result. And I think that's kind of the team that we're seeing now. And you mentioned the dog days of summer. The Jays are a team that should be able to kind of, find their groove during this stretch. Like they have strong pitching, a bunch of rubber arms, guys who don't really get injured, knock on wood. This is when you'd think that they're going to come through. And I think that we're not going to see the Jays do a nuclear hot stretch where they win 10 games in a row. I think the Jays hot stretch is situations like this, where they win two of three, they win two of three, they win two of three. You look at who's coming up next, Boston, the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Like, Two of three, two of three, two of three. Keep doing that through the dog days of summer. And all of a sudden, you're going to be right in the mix for one of the higher up wild card spots. I, I really don't think they're going to catch Tampa, but you never know. I mean, that's just how I think the Jays are going to have it. It's like the 2016 team. They didn't really they didn't have that run like the 2015 team did where they won every game for a month. I don't I don't think it's in the cards here at all, but you're going to have series where you go up against San Francisco. San Francisco's good. They pitch really well and you hold them down to five runs across the entire series, three games. Yeah, you yourself only scored eight, 
and it wasn't sexy or exciting to watch, but they got the job done because the pitching's good and they come up with a, a few clutch hits. Like that's the formula for the Jays to have success this year. Very good point. Very, very well put. So heading into our final down, it is the Alec Manoa situation, which I was just saying this before we started recording, you know, back on uh, on Tuesday when we did the show in the morning, you let off the show by saying, man, I wish we'd got some Manoa news here to talk about during the show. And then I don't know if it came out as we were recording or immediately after we finished, but this story breaks out of his uh, his first go go around down in the Florida Complex League. Um, and it wasn't pretty. It it was it was tough. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was bad. It was uh, the New York Yankees uh, Florida Complex League team teed off on Manoa for eleven runs on ten hits over two and two thirds innings. So this is you know guys in New York's like the, the the very bottom of their system. So like new guys, like teenagers. Uh, so that's, that's really not what you want to see, but also it's important to mention with Manoa is the way that he's going to be pitching here is it's not, he's just jumping out there and pitching a game against a bunch of kids and he's trying to carve them up or whatever. It's, um, you know, you're going into this, trying to do specific things like, you know, uh, Brandon McCarthy, a former major league baseball pitcher said on Twitter when everybody was kind of ragging on Manoa and dunking on it as, you know, inevitably people do on Twitter. He said like, you don't know what these minor league starts that the coach might've said, Hey, look, go out there and only try and do this. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about, you know, allowing a home run or allowing runners, blah, blah, blah. Just like we're playing in, in simulated situations. And what we care most about for you is like getting the ball in the zone. You're pacing with the pitch clock, all this different stuff. It, for, for Manoa bouncing back, I don't know if, if, if people thought it was just going to be go down for a few weeks a light bulb's going to click and it's going to work. It's not going to be that simple. Like there, there, there was reports now that, that he came into training camp at weighing 310 or 315 pounds. I think it was, it was on one of the sports net podcasts this week. And, um, I mean, I don't know if that's specifically the reason for what's going on, but you mix that with the pitch clock thing. We've been talking about that all year. It's it, Alec Manoa has always been kind of a slower moving pitcher, not like a Latroy Hawkins one minute in between each pitch slow, but not like a, like a quick Mark Burley or a Roy Holiday, obviously not someone who's just bombing through the game. It's, he's a guy who likes to, you know, walk around the mound, collect himself, find his energy to throw his big pitch. And now with the pitch clock, you can't do that. And then if you're already struggling with stamina because you're heavy because you wanted to add more velo to your pitches, then it, again, it's another challenge with the pitch clock. So Manoa's going to have to go down there and pretty much start from scratch. Like it's, it's like him showing up in Dunedin at the complex in mid June is essentially like showing up again in February to start the season off again. Like uh, I, I, I've kind of myself told myself I, I would be surprised if Manoa is back this season. I, 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 I do think the plan, not necessarily the plan. They obviously want him back pitching this year, but I think, Ultimately, deep down, the Blue Jays know, okay, the goal now is to get this guy right long term, not rush him back and see what happens so they can make, you know, have a have a fifth starter this year. It's it's I I really think that's that's what's going on. Yeah, I think this whole situation just gave a little bit more um, kick in the ass type mojo to the front office to say, yeah, we can't be relying on the expectation that this guy is going to be back here in late July or or even later because like you said this is a long-term outlook at this point for a guy that was a Cy Young finalist and 
Uh, you talked about it last episode. Yes, he was the opening day starter. He is still realistically or should be the number two arm in this rotation behind Gosman, but still an elite level pitcher. And it is just pretty much all all rain clouds and and lightning right now in terms of this this outlook on him. Um, but he did get a little bit of support from some of his peers, and at the front of that uh, parade was former Jays and maybe future Jay. Uh, Marcus Stroman uh, coming out with support, kind of saying, you know, this guy's not done and and he's, st- he's, he's still got it in him to come back and, and rebound from this. That's easy to say. It'll be a little bit different to actually see it put into execution here over the next several months um, and then even over the winter heading into next season. But um Outside of that, the 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 rest of the the all star, like I said, the starters were announced after the um, uh, the final voting took place, and we already covered the fact that no Jays were were in that list. But any other kind of surprises that you saw there um, across either league? Not really. It's kind of just the same thing as it always is. Texas is the breakout team this year, so their fans are excited. They got all their players into the all-star game, kind of a lot like Kansas City was that one season. I'm surprised that the Mariners fans weren't able to vote more of their guys into the all-star game, but they have not been good this year, so uh, not many positive vibes there. Baltimore being the other breakout team, I thought the O's might be able to get more of their guys in there, but I don't know, not a huge fan base. I think I think pretty much what it turned into was... <laughs> Like whoever was available versus the Toronto player, let's make sure that the Toronto player doesn't get in. That 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 seems like it was. Yeah, well, I mean, when you of the whatever 10, 10 positions, f- half of them being Jays players, yeah, it's pretty easy to rally the troops to just go anti anti Toronto. Um, but you know what? We, we've got a huge AL East matchup coming up here over the long weekend against the Bo Sox, who are uh, a team that is kind of on the skids here and after a good stretch they're they're tailing off we will dive into all of that and a little bit more but first we'll step aside for a quick break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Alrighty, Cam. Three games on deck versus the Boston Red Sox, um, including the much anticipated Canada Day game. Always a ton of fun down at Rogers uh, Center over this weekend. 
But first, let's take a quick spin around the rest of the AL East and see how everybody made out. And I think there's no better place to start than with our good friends in New York and the Yankees, where they won two of three out in Oakland versus the lowly athletics. Um, but the highlight of the series obviously coming in their game two shutout win in which Domingo Yerman throwing a perfect game. First one in over 10 years, uh, 24th in MLB history. It's almost a shame that this took place in Oakland because there weren't a ton of people there to see it. Uh, but I think even still, you could hear uh, if you watch the broadcast or even the highlights after the fact, you could kind of hear the um, the respect that even the away the away fans are giving it, even if they were small in number. A tremendous accomplishment for a guy that obviously is a bit of a, a tumultuous year going back to that start against the Blue Jays where he gets ejected for a sticky substance issue. But um, but before we dive into the rest of this, I just wanted to hear what you had to say uh, kind of about this. This is an accomplishment as a whole in the game of baseball. Yeah, I mean, seeing a perfect game or even a no hitter, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of watching those. It's, uh, I said this in my, my preseason predictions thing this year that Tyler and BK and all of us did, um, was that the thing that I really wanted to see most this year is I wanted to see one of the Jays come through and pitch a no hitter. I thought, hey, Gosman's got the stuff to do it. Jose Barrios has got the stuff to do it at the beginning of the year before all this happened. Eh, maybe Alec Manoa could do it too. Probably not, not holding on to that one any longer, but perfect games and no hitters are fantastic to watch. Um, of course, with Domingo Germanda, we obviously have to bring up the, 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 the elephant in the room, of course, is that he was suspended previously for, for, for domestic violence. The story is pretty fucked up. He had a, um, he was so, so, so aggressive and violent towards his girlfriend at a, at a, at a team event that another player had to get involved and then leave with them to um, ensure that it didn't escalate, which is really fucked up. So it's, 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 it's not necessarily like the most exciting thing because of who it is. And then he's also got the issues with cheating. One of those came against the Jays. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reality with sports is to divorce these things. Like the pitching performance was such a masterclass. Like he carved up that lineup and threw like such a dominant start on 99 pitches too, to do it like a Maddox like that. Something that Greg Maddox himself never did. Honestly, one of the better pitching performances in the history of baseball, but I don't know, just the, the, the entire thing around who did it and then who it was against, against the Oakland days where the owners actively trying to make the team bad so they can leave. It, it sucks because I love perfect games. I really do. I, I, I love tuning in and seeing a pitcher executed, especially when it's not, not an ace, right? Like you, you expect maybe a guy like a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, a guy like that to throw a perfect game. But when it's some, some guys mid rotation starter, like remember that guy with the Chicago White Sox years back? Um, yeah. his name was Philip Humber. He, his career ERA was like six. And he threw a perfect game and it was so cool. Like, um, those are the stories you love. Um, Domingo German, you got to respect the pitching performance, but uh, I'm not, I'm not huge about celebrating, celebrating that player myself. Very fair. Yeah. I, I, between exactly like you said, who it came against and his kind of, um, you know, questionable history, both on and off the field at this point. I think it puts a bit of a, a gray cloud over this, but still impressive nonetheless. Uh, elsewhere for the Yankees, other starting pitcher who has been injured, uh, Carlos Rodon, scheduled for a rehab start here on Saturday over the weekend. So that is some good news for the Yankees. Uh, Johnny Brito was op- optioned back down to AAA following the loss in game one of this series in Oakland, where the Yankees lost that game 2-1, but then the next two games they just stomped. 
stomped the, the athletics. So, you know, kind of like almost a similar situation like the Jays had versus the A's in the series previous. Uh, next up for the Yankees over the weekend, they will go to St. Louis for three games against the Cardinals and a little bit of interleague play. The Orioles, their first series loss in a couple of weeks, they lost two of threes and what was a really wet one down at Camden Yards, uh, several different rain delays over the course of the series. And honestly, overall, maybe you can contribute it to the weather or like we talked about with the Jays, kind of a little bit of reaching that tough part of the season now as we reach halfway. Um, some of the worst baseball, I think, that we've seen the Orioles play throughout the year. And because I did actually get the chance to watch a couple of these games for the most part, start to finish minus uh, in and out for the rain delays. But um, the Orioles will look to rebound as they stick playing the AL Central, wrapping up a nine-game nine game homestand with three versus the Twins over the weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays taking two of three from the Diamondbacks in Arizona. The Rays out on a little Western road trip here, a couple series. But the Rays did get two guys into the All-Star game as starters, both Randy Rosarena and Yandy Diaz, who, like you said, very deserving of that first base spot, even if it does come at the expense of Vladdy not getting in there. Uh, and then some of the question marks we had around Shane McClanahan after leaving his last start with some back tightness. He is you know, good to go here. His regularly scheduled start comes tonight here on Friday, and he looks like he's going to make it as they start off uh, a three-games set out in Seattle, like I said, to wrap up that short six-game Western road trip. And last but certainly not least, although I guess it is a little bit least, uh, the Boston <laughs> Red Sox, they uh, they got swept by the Marlins. They've now lost five straight, seven of their last eight. The only real positive you can pull out of this series was that uh, Brian Bello took a no-hitter into the eighth inning in game two of this series, I think it was. Might have even been three. Might have been on Thursday. Don't quote me on that. Um but then the, the tough part about that, much like we talked about the Gosman thing, he ended up taking the loss in the game despite <laughs> that because he gave up two hits at the start of the eighth, yanked, and then the Red Sox just couldn't muster anything to kind of come back in that. So a little bit disappointing there for Bellow uh, and a Red Sox pitching staff that's had a bit of a tough go almost the entire season. Um, but they do get a little bit of positive news as Ace and very large financial investment, Chris Sale, has uh, begun a throwing program. We're, we're three wow. weeks out since he was diagnosed with a stress reaction in his left scalpula. He's still on the 60-day 60, 60 IL. He's not eligible to, to return until early August. So no um, immediate things there, but the MRI that Sale went under was quote-unquote positive. So that's what's um, given him the opportunity to start this throwing program. What that actually means, I, I couldn't tell you, but he's going to start doing something, I guess. Uh, and of course, the Red Sox will be... In Toronto this weekend for the Canada Day Series, we take a quick peek at the standings as a whole. Virtually nothing changed since we last met, just a matter of a few more numbers in each column. Uh, the, the Orioles gave up one game uh, to as their chase down of Tampa Bay at the top of the series or top of the division, pardon me. But otherwise, everything else kind of middling along. All four of the top teams still in the playoff spot. The matter of the fact the Red Sox is dropping further and further back and and kind of giving up hope, I think, of chasing down that last spot because not only are you five games back of Toronto, but there's several teams in between you that you still have to leapfrog to even get back to that point. It's not just a matter of five-game gap between second place and the top of the division to get that guaranteed spot. So, Oh, I should mention one thing, though. Um, mm -hmm. The Boston Red Sox, despite being 40 and 42, would be tied for first place <laughs> in the American League Central. Oh, uh, maybe the uh, the Orioles can do some some help there to the the central, and if they give up several games to the Twins, they can try and 
get back well above the Red Sox and, and solidify themselves there. But yeah, no, can't, uh, can't be a week about talking about how bad the Red Sox are without also adding the note of they're still better than the entire American <laughs> League Central. So, <laughs> um, all right, that can uh, do it for our wrap up of the AL East report. And it just really conveniently leads right into our series preview, which is against the Boston Red Sox here. Um, Scheduled starts over the weekend. We're not going to see much in terms of, you know, ace work until Sunday, but it's tough to even say that because of what we've seen from Jose Barrios and, and Yusei Kikuchi as of late. Game one uh, later this afternoon on Friday will be Barrios versus James Paxton. Saturday, Canada, we're looking to see Kikuchi versus Cutter Crawford. And then on Sunday, Kevin Gosman going up against Garrett Whitlock before the day off on Monday and then a couple series before the All Star break. So looking at this, we all know the, the, the Jays struggles against the American League East so far this season. If there was ever a time to get back, rattle off, I'm going to say three wins here against this, you know, tailing off Red Sox team. This is the time to do it. Your pitching staff has been nails as of late. The bats, you know, if there's any time for them to get a little bit extra mojo with the big crowds over the long weekend, this seems like it. Yeah, this is a this is a perfect time. The Jays have been playing well recently. They like 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 we said, it's two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Stop the two out of three thing for now. You've got a stretch here leading into the All Star break of nine games where you should put together like a seven and two or an eight and one or a nine and zero oh run. It'd be great if they had a nine and zero oh run into the All Star break playing the Red Sox, the White Sox, and the Tigers. None of these teams are that good. I, I don't think the Red Sox are bad. I think if if a few things go right for them, they 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 could still find themselves in the wild card mix. I wouldn't count on it, but I, I'm not writing them off as a dog shit team like. Both the Tigers and the White Sox are terrible. Um, they also Tigers. Have Tigers took two of three against the Rangers this week, though. Did they? Yeah, oh, ruined wow, several a... of my different baseball parlays. So Interesting. thanks, thanks a lot, Tigers. So maybe I should take that back before we go into these American <laughs> League Central series. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be critical because we all know what's going to happen. I'm going to be like, oh, the American League Central team is five games under 500, and then they're going to lose like four of six games to the White Sox and the Tigers. But knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Focus on the positive Friday camp. Yeah, positive exactly. Friday. Good vibes only. They just won. We're supposed to be having fun, drinking beers. Good series. Good vibes. Going back to the Red Sox. They've been bad recently. The um, in in their in their series against um, Miami, they only scored three runs over three games. And then going back to their series against the White Sox, they only scored eight runs. The last time they they had a big game offensively was a series two weeks ago against the Minnesota Twins. They had games where they scored nine and ten runs, but they've gone really cold recently. So the Jays really have to capitalize. You have all the momentum in your favor. You're playing at home on Canada Day. You have three pitchers going who are all pitching well. You have the Red Sox coming in who can't hit anything. The Jays got swept by Boston in Boston back in early May, but that's because it was super cold, super wet, and super windy in Boston. The Red Sox are obviously way more used to that than the Jays are because they play inside of a dome. So, I mean, this is the this is the time for them to get back at the Red Sox for that series. You know, you really would love to put up a sweep here, get your season series close. Boston's winning the season series between the two teams for nothing. So sweep this one and get right back in there. That, 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 that should be the expectation. A perfect time to exact some revenge in front of what will, in front of what will be a packed Rogers Center over the weekend. Uh, regular evening start here on Friday, but then a three o'clock Eastern Saturday and one o'clock Eastern Sunday, uh, starting pitching time. If my memory serves me correct on those. So, um, Coomzy, I hope you have a great long weekend. 
I hope you get to enjoy some beers, um, take in some baseball, and hopefully when we reconvene at the start of next week, uh, we can keep these positive vibes going. Let's hope so. We got to keep these good vibes rolling to the All Star break. We're we're well, let's let's start the nine and zero train right now. That's what we're hoping for. That good is what only. we're that is what we were hoping for. All right, Coomzy, have a great long weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Best wishes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.